Hey everybody, I'm Robert. Hey guys, I'm Chris. And we're the Film Flamers. Time for us to shoot the flames. Our monthly chat episode where Chris and I get together to discuss horror news and trailers, some of our recent watches, and most importantly, comments and questions from you, our listeners. That's right. And this month we got a lot of comments, really good questions, and we even got a voicemail and new reviews too. Oh my God, I'm so excited for the new review. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, why don't we just kick it off with that? At Cody Landman said, one of my favorite podcasts. I listen to a few podcasts, but there are only a couple that I genuinely anticipate and get excited for each week. This is one of them. Robert and Chris are great hosts with a great love for the genre. I love their deep dives into particular films, different horror themes, as well as their top favorite lists. I also love when they go over upcoming horror releases and news, as well as what they've watched, as well as their opinions on them. They're also really great to their fans and listeners and are always willing to listen to what they have to say and are respectful of others' viewpoints. And plus, the two are just hilarious hosts, even when they're just making each other laugh. Oh, thank you. I know. That one was like the best review ever so far. I know. I mean, like we were having a review famine anyway. And so the famine has been lifted and it was a really awesome review to sort of like end that dry spell. Uh, So thank you so much, Cody Landman. You always comment on our like posts and your obviously an avid listener and we really appreciate all the support exactly and uh, thank you for our first review of 2020 so moving right along we had quite a few comments um on our episodes as chris said earlier starting with our top 10 slasher movies episode from back in december mark from facebook said you can actually order 13 women from amazon the actress who played ursula the mixed race killer was myrna loy who later became a leading lady in many comedies in the 30s and 40s including nora charles in the six thin man movies Interesting. I didn't know there were six of those. Yes. But I did know that you could get 13 women from Amazon because I put that in the show notes for that episode to mm-hmm. rent or buy or whatever you wanted to do. I love Myrna Loy, mostly because I really love the Thin Man series. It's like it's my dad's favorite movie series. Myrna Loy is his favorite actress. And so after I read this quote or this comment, I went to my dad and I was like, have you heard of this movie? And he said, no. So he's super excited to see it too. So I, there may be a whole bunch of new fans of 13 women in the making. Right. And we may also be watching this for uh, something we do on Patreon pretty soon, actually. That's right. So stay on the lookout for that. Next up from our hot take on The Grudge at Arl Terry said, you guys liked it much more than I did, but I appreciate your counterpoints to my own. However, we can agree that we love any time we can see Lin Shay being Lin Shay. I, you know what? We didn't really like it, so you must have hated it. <laughs> yeah. I actually read his review on his on his blog, his website, and he really didn't like it. So, I mean, we, the fact that we gave it, like, two stars and 2.5 stars apiece, right? Yeah. Just to clarify, Ryan, we didn't care for the grudge. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. But we both love Lin Shay, so That's right. Yeah. 100%. Um, at Hexen Librarian commented she said that I, I i about lost my mind when robert said kayaku versus sudoku <laughs> right <laughs> so i i obviously butchered the title of that movie um uh, because it's not about you know some sort of ghost battling a math puzzle or <laughs> i don't even remember you saying that i mean I, I i went back and listened to that i was like for sure i didn't say that and then i did <laughs> so, so I commented back to her and I was just like, well, math puzzles are scary. <laughs> You're a librarian. You understand? She's probably really good at math. I don't know. Anyway, um, I apologize. That's not the title of the movie. And I'm not even quite sure I can say that. And I don't want to butcher it any further. So we're just going to leave that one alone. No, Kayaki was right. It was the Sudoku. I just completely <laughs> she butchered that character's name. <laughs> I'm not allowed in Japan anymore, wherever. (laughs) So from Black Christmas, we had Mark from Facebook again say, Hi, guys. I just started listening to your podcast and I enjoy it. Your last two have really sold me. First, your coverage of Black Christmas was perfect. It's my favorite movie. I actually have the Lee Hayes novelization. That was an $80 gift to myself and even have a PDF of the original Stop uh, Stop Me script. 
which was an extra on one of the mini DVD releases. Lots of additional info in those that didn't make it into the movie. So I'm really like, I actually searched for the novelization that you have. And um, it actually said it was like on, uh, I finally found it. I think either like, I want to say eBay or Etsy or something uh, somewhere on the internet, like some sort of um, bid website. And it was already purchased. And I think it might've said $80. So you got it first because I was going to give it to Robert for a Christmas present. Oh my God. Really? Yes. <laughs> I'm so fucking I think jealous, you were like, Mark. I just want that fur coat with the novelization stuck in the pocket. And <laughs> yeah. That's all I Christmas ever want gift. for Christmas, right? Yeah. I even looked at fur coats and I was just like, holy shit. I didn't realize how expensive these are. I'm telling you it's luxe. Yeah. Deluxe. Um, anyway, I'm super jealous, Mark. Uh, if you want to share that PDF, I'd like to read it. So, hey. Just throwing that out there. Uh, from our Shooting the Flames episode last January, at Itzamario says, What's the deal with M. Night Shyamalan? It's almost as if he believes horror to be a dirty word. Surely he can accept that his films have unintended on his part horror. Keen to hear what you thought of Dracula on Netflix? I particularly enjoyed the first two episodes. Well, you shouldn't have to wait too long to hear what, uh, at least what Chris thought of Dracula on Netflix. I'm sure he'll be talking about it coming up in the episode. Um, and as far as M. Night Shyamalan, what is the deal with M. Night Shyamalan? I mean, come I on. Know. It's like <laughs> six cents about a dead guy and there's dead people everywhere. It's like, I see dead people was the fucking tagline. And of course he knows it's horror. He's just being a, a, a petulant douche. Yeah. I mean, and his latest like show on Apple Apple TV or whatever, The Servant, is clearly a horror TV show. So I mean, maybe he was just saying that to like be tongue in cheek or whatever. Because I mean, obviously, the article that I read that from was written, and I mean, everything's lost in translation sometimes. So for it's, all I know, he could yeah. be putting us on, but it doesn't seem like it to me. It's yeah. just more bullshit from the horror ghetto, you know. It's just semantics, really. Yeah, you know, if we could find the right word for all of this, you know. A, a bigger umbrella term macabre or something i don't know then i think everyone would just suddenly agree you know that their movie fits into that but you know there's so much connotation with the word horror i guess but we're going to be talking a little bit more about this subject later on because of one of our questions that's right Next up from our deep dive into the invitation at Cody Landman said, I'm so glad you guys covered this. Such a fantastic movie that I love more and more with each viewing. This one actually made it into my top 10 of the past decade. I also got to add that Kusama is a very underrated director and I look forward to whatever film she releases. Amen. Couldn't agree with you more. Yep. Completely. I love the movie. I think Chris liked it quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And um, Kusama is an underrated director. I think that her movies are fantastic and i think that she deserves more praise than what she's given so we got a few questions um from listeners on twitter one comes from at ignatia straga she says do you have a favorite gimmick that horror movies would use back in the day to get people in the theaters and if you could add a gimmick to a modern day horror film what would it be Okay, so I've been thinking about this a little bit, and I just, I loved the whole, like, shocking seats or whatever, and just different things, maybe not necessarily um, with theaters come to mind, like the smell of vision you know? Mm-hmm. And it's this is a funny question, because I just got recently um, a link from one of our patrons, I believe, about a theater that does like all the different senses or whatever it has special seats and it has like air vents that shoot can shoot mist or smells at you and things like that and uh, i was looking at that i was just thinking about like watching alien or something where you know that blood splatters when the chest burster first comes out and you get splattered with like mist yeah that would be amazing or you know to a lesser extent you know walking down like the streets of fucking New Orleans or something and interview the vampire and smelling the plague. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I mean, I'm like smiling so big right now because that's exactly what my answer was going to be. I didn't even like pick a, a modern day horror movie per se, like an example of, but I was like, I would love to have some sort of like 4d theater experience, right. With like maybe movable seats. And you know, if you're watching and it happens, it's supposed to be cold outside. They can lower the temperature in there a little yeah. bit. 
And if it's like a zombie movie, I mean, we can smell like rotting flesh or something like that, or maybe like fire burning or whatnot. Oh, oh this theater had a front vents that shoot up towards your face and your feet as well, two different directions. But also they had vents by your ears, your neck, so it can like do like a little breath on you if it wanted to <gasps> and stuff like that. So I feel I like mean, Invisible Man would be amazing with that. I mean, that's that's so incredibly awesome. I, I already get scared and immersed watching horror movies. Can you imagine if they were like sensory <laughs> things <laughs> I would pay money just to like not even watch it, but watch you while you were watching the horror movie. Every time something would blow on my neck, I'd probably like shriek out. <laughs> so, um, so obviously, I th- I think that we would love to see some sort of gimmick like that. And if a theater like that already sure. exists, that's great. I'm making a pilgrimage. Um, as far as like favorite gimmicks from the Pasco, I really like the one that William Castle did for Thirteen Ghosts where there were like two colored lenses. And if you wanted to see the ghost, you look through like the red. And if you didn't want to see the ghost on screen, you look through the blue. And um, I mean, I think that's, that's neat. And like, he also did stuff where you had to like sign an insurance policy before you go in in case <laughs> oh, you die on, of yeah. fright and shit. And I'm like, that would make me want to go see it. But on the flip side, he also did things like they would give you a like a, a scaredy cat certificate. So if you got too scared in the movie, you can go and get your money back with your certificate and whatnot. So I'm <laughs> Walk like, of shame. Yeah, I know a lot of people who would like probably put that to use. So, yeah. I mean, God bless William Castle, RIP. Like he really made horror a fun time, right? Yeah. I think we can all agree on that. Um, another question came from Matt Cody Landman. He says, in your opinion, what are some of the worst twists in horror? Oh, I don't know. I think a lot of the twists are hindsight, you know, like they were great the first time, but they're kind of ruined the next time. You know, I can mention any any one of, you know, Shyamalan's movies probably. Yeah. Some of M. Night Shyamalan's twists are better than others. Obviously. I really think that by the time we get to the twist and the happening and again, spoiler alert for everything we're about to talk about to the answer to this question, um, but honestly, at this point, I mean, who doesn't care? I mean, who, who cares about some of these movies in the happening when people are getting sick and like committing mass suicide or becoming very violent. And then they're going to figure out exactly what's going on. And it's fucking plants. You know, I'm like, yeah. OK, I was like, that's it's not very good. And then like in Signs, uh, I mean, which is a, to me a really good movie. I like Signs a lot. But when you find out that the aliens are afraid of water or they can't touch water and I'm like, well, why did they land on our fucking planet? I'm like, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, I did like the twist in the village. I didn't really yeah. see that coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sixth Sense is a little bit eye rolling. Uh, after you've already experienced it but really i mean it was fucking nominated for best picture of all fucking things yeah uh because of that because of that experience that people had with that movie so you know whatever i don't know i can't really think of of many others um I guess you could say the invitation, but it's like, I don't know if I have worst twists really, you know? Yeah. A lot of these movies that I had seen that have twists, like I have only seen one time. And so, I mean, I, you were right when you said it's really hindsight. So it's going back to watch these movies again that have twists and you already know what's going to happen at the end of the movie. I mean, I kind of like the twist in the movie orphan. I kind of like, um, I mean, obviously sleepaway camp has a good twist at the end, you know? Sure. But those things can only be experienced just that one time. Yeah. And some of the ones that I want to bring up are my favorite twists. And if you even know there's a twist, it can ruin it, you know, so I'm not going to bring them up. But But yeah, at least those examples we're not we're not super big fans of. Next up, we've got a voicemail question from Stacy. Let's see what it is. Hi, guys. This is Stacy. I was just wondering if I could get your take on a few things. With it being award season, um, we all love the Oscars. I was just wondering why it is you guys think the horror movies are often overlooked by the Academy. And also, what horror movies from this year do you think should have been nominated and maybe some others from past years that were overlooked? Um, Looking forward to hearing your answers. Have a great day. Bye. Well, uh, thank you, Stacey, so much for giving us a voicemail. You know we love those. Hint, hint. So, uh, I don't know. I have two words for why are horror movies overlooked. 
horror ghetto, right? Uh, people, including M. Night Shyamalan now, like to distance themselves from the word or anything that's kind of loosely associated with it, almost as if it's juvenile or, you know, like I said, ghetto, right? They, they, they want to be taken as serious artists, you know, or whatever. And for whatever reason, you know, maybe because of the just the huge breadth and depth of the horror genre where you get things like Sharknado, but also get things like Silence of the Lambs, you know, you know, it kind of quote unquote dirties the waters, you know, because it's such just such a huge umbrella term. I, I think that's, I think that's part of it. You know, I think that fantasy sci-fi, those things are also sometimes overlooked just because they have that level of, you know, imagination outside of reality. And, you know, if, if things aren't, you know, walking the line of on the nose, you know, metaphor for real life situation we're currently in or something is not even considered a good example of this is like parasite this year, which was an amazing film. I don't know that it's going to win. Um, you know, uh, it certainly will win best foreign language film. I don't know if it'll win best picture, but it did a really good job of walking that tightrope, right. While still being kind of horror adjacent, you know, um, but it was, it was distance itself from horror enough to be considered. And uh, that kind of bothers me. I am, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the Oscars. Obviously I think I've said that before on the podcast. And I mean, so much so that I have one like tattooed on my person. And um, I mean, I watch it every year. I try to stay current in movies and like all the gossip or whatnot. But <clears throat> I mean, it, this rarely ever happens. I think in places like the sixth sense or, Sons of the Lambs, even The Exorcist, like those movies became sort of like cultural touchstones and or made a lot of money, you know, and it's kind of hard to ignore them. Um, but mostly I think the Academy is just made up of like really old white guys. And you know, there's been some push in the last recent years to sort of open the Academy up or invite, you know, maybe younger people, people of color, queer people. And I think that as the Academy starts to change, hopefully we will see something's different in the future because we are really getting some like Oscar caliber performances out of some of these horror movies, especially what people like to call like elevated horror or something. Sure. You know? Yeah. And I mean, it's just getting overlooked. I think that even sci-fi and fantasy movies get more recognition than horror movies do in the Oscars. Like there's always, I mean, anytime a Star Wars movie is made, you're going to find it in like visual effects and score and sometimes oh, costume sure, but and you stuff. see horror yeah. movies there too. Yeah. From time to time, you know, but I don't know. So as far as like this year goes, uh, I think we covered this on our year uh, in review for 2019. Like we really thought that there should have been an award nomination for Willem Dafoe. For sure. Oh, definitely. And Lupita Nyongo. Uh, Lupita Nyongo, definitely. And yeah. Florence Pugh from Midsummer and Midsummer in general, probably yeah. as like a best picture nom would have been interesting to me. Yep, I completely agree. Um, as far as like movies from the past couple of years, I really, I mean, obviously Tony Collette, I don't think that the horror community were, will ever let that go. <laughs> and, um, um, and I have to agree. And I really think like um, The Babadook to me was a really good good movie and i think like the the actress in that was was fantastic yeah and i thought that it was completely overlooked by the oscars i think so. rosemary's baby you know should have been nominated and possibly win alien uh the shining could have certainly had a been a contender pan's labyrinth is a big one for me uh and of course, Sigourney fucking Weaver for Best Actress in Aliens. She was nominated, but she didn't. It won like four or five other Oscars, but I don't know. Uh, there's just tons. Uh, those are just off the top of my head. But in the Oscars history, fewer than two dozen actors have ever been nominated for horror roles. And only six have actually won, including Frederick March from Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And of course, Ruth Gordon from Rosemary's Baby and Kathy Bates from Misery and Anthony right. Hopkins and Jodie Foster from The Silence of the Lambs and Natalie Portman from Black Swan, which is still kind of horror adjacent. Mm -hmm. um, but the odds of a horror movie earning a Best Picture nod are even slimmer. Just six horror movies have ever competed, including, like you said, The Exorcist, Jaws, The Silence of the Lambs, The Sixth Sense, Black Swan, and Get Out. The sole winner was, of course, The Silence of the Lambs. And many still contest that The Silence of the Lambs wasn't even true horror, or as we like to say, horror adjacent. So I, I really think that this is a huge problem. Uh, maybe not as big as some of the the race problems or sexist problems that we have at the Oscars. Definitely not. This is definitely it's definitely happened so many times and enough times that it's systemic 
And I think as long as we keep talking about it and we keep it, you know, kind of in the the pop culture kind of sphere of awareness that, you know, maybe it'll get better. Yep. I I hope so. I mean, really, I think it all boils down to the fact that some of these Academy members just don't watch horror movies. And so they don't put it on their ballot, you know? So if you're listening, voting Academy members, go watch some horror movies in 2020 and you might be surprised. Here, here. So lastly, um, we have a new patron to welcome to our Patreon family. Hey, Jay. Hey, Jay. So happy you're here. Yep. Jay Carbon joined us. She's uh, always been a huge commenter, uh, although not this time for some reason. Hopefully everything's okay. But uh, Jay's been a longtime listener and a uh, longtime commenter, and I'm, I'm really glad that she's over on Patreon consuming the hours and hours and hours of bonus content that we've got sitting over there waiting for everyone to consume. So uh, thank you. And welcome. Yeah. Thanks, Jay. We really appreciate all the support, all the continued support, because you've been listening to our podcast almost from its inception. And we just really, really appreciate everything you do for us. Thank you. Horror News. So it was announced, I think, just last week at the time of this recording that um, a new CBS series is in the works. And it's uh, all about Clary Starling, the character from The Silence of the Lambs and subsequent films. <sighs> I don't know how I feel about this. I really did enjoy um, Hannibal, the TV show. Um, that was really, really good. I've never watched some of the others, like Young Hannibal or whatever. I haven't seen that. Uh, Clarice Starling. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It just depends on how they do it, but I'm, I, I'm not really excited. I have to admit. I mean, there's a lot of backlash so far on social media. Cause everyone's like, well, why don't you just pick up Hannibal again? <laughs> you know, like, why would you, yeah. why would you cancel Hannibal and then go make a Clarice Starling show? I like the character of Clary Starling and I kind of would like to see where they, they take this. I mean, especially if it's some sort of like procedural, like serial killer of the week sort of thing. And I know that's trite or whatever, but I, I think it would be fun to watch, you know, especially if they got Jodie Foster for it or something out of big, some big, you know, surprise. Hey, it's Jodie Foster. You know, she's going to be Clary Starling in a fucking TV show on CBS. Like, streaming God, or can something. you imagine? <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Yeah. But I mean, because, you know, Julianne Moore is an amazing actress, but watching Hannibal, it's her character just kind of fell apart for me. Like it yeah. wasn't anywhere near because first, you know, it, it was the story, you know, it was a story that both of them were kind of wrapped up in and the, the chemistry that those two had together, even though they never really like directed offset or anything like that, they had amazing on-screen chemistry. Um, and I just don't know that I, I hate to say it, but I feel like Clarice as a character, her interest at least was kind of defined by her interaction with Hannibal and vice versa, you know? And without that, I, you know, unless it's just going to be a really, really good, you know, procedural, like on its own, I, I can't see this being great. Yeah. I mean, if it's like Mindhuntery, which also has sort of been canceled on Netflix, by the way, maybe we should have just throw that news in there with this. Um, after a really good second season. So that really pisses me off. Um, if, if they were going to tell the story of Carice Starling, I would like them to do it like at the end of Silence of the Lambs and before Hannibal. Like I want to know what was going on in her life while Hannibal Lecter was on the loose, like having that over her shoulder and exploring her life as sort of a new FBI agent. I think that would be like the best possible show. Yeah. Although I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens. There's no real news. Um, as to when it's going to be coming out, I think. So yeah, I just wonder how attached they are going to be to some of the um, tropes that they used in Silence of the Lambs, you know, like, you know, the sexism trope and her getting too close to, you know, her subjects trope and, and things like that. And to kind of do that on rinse and repeat, it's just going to be interesting to see how they can pull it off without it becoming kind of stale very quickly. Yeah. So like every week she's discriminated against and gets a little too close to the person she's interviewing behind bars. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's like a, a whole season of it. <laughs> I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I'll definitely watch it. Like I'm invested in that, that franchise and those characters. And so I, I mean, I'm there for it no matter what. There's only so many times you can like have a killer be like, and then I killed him after I had, I don't know, chili and lima beans. or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I ate his I ate his liver with some chili and a Bud Light. I mean, whatever. I mean, it's okay. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I really enjoyed uh, the Hannibal show, and so I I have high hopes for this one. Although, if I've learned anything from our past shooting the flames episodes and hot takes, maybe I should lower my expectations before watching things. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we've got the Golden Tomato Awards from Rotten Tomatoes. And Parasite has been given best limited release ahead of films like Marriage Story. So that's uh, this is all based on their aggregate and probably some other calculations they're doing behind the scenes. I didn't really... I kind of scanned the articles and just looked at the pictures, so forgive me. Uh, the top horror movie recipients include Us at number one, followed by The Lighthouse, Tigers Are Not Afraid, Ready or Not, and Midsummer. All very good movies. Yeah, well. Parasite, really a limited <laughs> release? What? I was going to say Us is number one, but, you know, that was a universally acclaimed film, so that's why it's, you know, the aggregate, everyone kind of agreed this is a good film, and that's kind of how aggregates work. So it's just interesting to see them at kind of at play and giving out those. Uh, golden tomatoes like the best wide release is uh avengers endgame was it really yeah just because of the the amount of reviews that were so positive you know and everything so that was the highest reviewed a best reviewed high uh, widely released movie this year i believe so because i don't even think that parasite was a limited release i mean it played at lots of theaters well right? that's why i'm saying there's other calculations right so if there's like 13 and it's got 100 you know reviews with 100 percent, you know it's going to give more weight to something that got 500 reviews and still maintains a 98 or something you know yeah so they're they're waiting it i mean i liked avengers endgame so last up in our horror news, for the first time ever, the Film Flamers charted in the top 50 of the film review podcasts in the U.S. Our peak position was at number 30. Yeah, and we'd like to thank all of you guys for making that possible. Yes, thank you. We, we cannot stress that enough. We appreciate all of our listeners and, um, you know, we, we love the comments, reviews and, you know, um, all of our patrons and stuff like that. And it, um, it really makes us happy that, you know, we moved up into a spot on these charts that I don't think that Chris and I thought that we would be in um, at this early stage in our podcast, right? It hasn't mm-hmm. even been two years yet. And I think that we're, we're super pleased and very, very appreciative. We cannot stress that enough. Exactly. Thank you. Coming soon. First up, we've got Sony's version of a Marvel movie, Morbius with Jared Leto as the uh, titular human vampire thing. So I wasn't ever, I mean, I was aware of Morbius kind of growing up because I'm a big comics nerd, but I never actually like picked up one of those comics, but the trailer looks pretty good. Um, yeah. Apparently the inner, the inner butts are very happy with uh, this trailer, happier than I am, but we shall see. They're kind of building their own kind of uh, MCU adjacent thing with Spider-Man kind of straddling both worlds. So we got to see some other characters that have been in like the earlier Spider-Man movies, including um, Michael Keaton, as well as I believe a shot of uh, Tom Hardy as uh, of course from Venom. So it'll be interesting to see how this all comes together in the little world they're building and how it's going to translate into MCU if possible, if whatever, but this looks very fairly standalone. Um, and it, it, you know, it looks, uh, it looks like one of the first more horror-ish, uh, comic book movies. Yeah. I mean, I thought it looked good. I'm not a huge fan of Jared Leto really. Um, but you know, I, I mean, I, be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he wrote damaged on his forehead and ruined it for everyone. I just, um, I don't know. I mean, so yeah, I mean, it looks, it looks horror adjacent and I'm, I'm there for that. So is this, this is a Sony movie because it's a Spider-Man character. Is that, it's a Marvel hero um, he's can be a villain but he can also be a hero but it's uh it's kind of a lesser known and he has been a spider-man villain and ally but he's just a he's just his own kind of character kind of like blade right so i was gonna ask does blade have anything to do with this particular yeah, they've, character they've had some dealings with each other but you know who knows what will happen if they're going to bring blade back or not i don't well, know if that's sony or i've forgotten who owns blade right now or if anyone still has the rights i mean because he's definitely due for a comeback with all these horror like or all these comic book movies yeah so. sure they could bring blade and have their own little side thing with blade and morbius and whatever but you know more power to him we'll see how it goes yeah and i mean i 
I was looking really, I was really looking forward to the new Doctor Strange movie based on, you know, from its director who's now stepped away from it. So I will take whatever horror adjacent comic book movie I can get at this point. Well, so. Doctor Strange is still going to be pretty horror adjacent. I mean, that same director directed the first one, right? So, you know, it was really good and it wasn't too horror adjacent, but it had, it had its moments and it's, I still stand by. It's one of my favorite Marvel movies ever. And if not just for the visuals alone, it was just really good all the way around. And I, th- I really do still think that you'd enjoy the crap out of it. I do need to watch it, <clears throat> but um, yeah. So I'm, you know, it's going to be regardless of who they get to direct it. It's going to be more horror than the first one. So next up was a trailer that Chris sent me um, a couple weeks ago. For a movie called Sonata, which is um, sort of like a possession kind of movie. Well, no, I think it's it's talking in the trailer about this piece of music that is done in such a way that it's like a spell or a calling or something where it can actually summon or pave the way for the Antichrist. Oh, yeah. Once it's played, right? And so the music in the trailer, I love violin music, you know, or anything kind of like it. And uh, it, you know that any kind of movie that has to do with music is going to have to have a great score or it just can't, it just can't period end of sentence. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, to me, it looks good. It looks really high quality. I I see a lot of unknowns, uh, as far as like, I don't know who they are, but it looks like a really good solid horror, you know, horror movie. And we have, it's been a while, I think since we've gotten kind of like this religiously kind of undertone where it goes kind of right for the biblical stuff, you know, uh, as far as like antichrist and all that stuff. So, um, you know, I feel like there's a space for it and it looks extremely unique. I don't feel like anything like this has really been done before in that space. So I'm looking forward to it. it looks it's a solid trailer. Yeah, it looks moody as fuck, you know, and I'm I'm totally there for that. That kind of atmosphere. So and I mean, I I enjoy listening to music, so I think that would be good. Um <clears throat> and so another religious horror movie coming out this year is Saint Saint Maud, right? So maybe we're just getting a lot of religious horror as of late. Yes. But I'm okay with it. I like it. It's usually very creepy. Next up, we've got a movie called Guns Akembo, another trailer that I sent you. What did you think of this one? Oh my God, this movie looks like so much fun. I cannot wait to see this movie. Well, it has one of our favorites, Samara Weaving, you know, Yay! from The Babysitter and Ready or Not. And uh, she looks completely different in this. She's got like no yeah, eyebrows. And... Her fucking eyebrows are gone. <laughs> I didn't recognize her. I had to like go through the trailer. But, and of course, Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe is the main character yes. in this. It uh, looks like a pretty high budget, you know, action-y kind of body horror movie that's looks pretty fucking, you know, balls to the wall, batshit crazy. So I'm looking forward to this. Just because it looks so unique he's got guns literally like surgically attached to his hands literally akimbo yeah uh it reminds me a little bit of the running man right that arnold schwarzenegger movie stephen king short story where everything's put on television they have to like fight to the death but this is sort of like an an internet kind of thing i gather yeah and and of course it's it's a little post-apocalyptic i think because he's having to like kill people and like the person he's up against is like the main reality tv star of this like killing contest or whatever who happens to be samara weaving's character so it'll be interesting (laughs) yeah it looks really fun actually i mean i'm sure that it's going to be funny and just different and you know i applaud that and you know actually at this point i will take samara weaving whatever she wants to do eyebrows or no yeah uh next up is a trailer for a netflix original called horse girl it's a sort of a dark comedy sci-fi horror adjacent something starring allison brie from the netflix series glow um i think she's she's super funny in that particular show she's a funny actress regardless it seem like a comedy to me when i watched this trailer I, I looked it up and they were like it's a dark comedy okay. and i'm like okay it's got molly shannon in it you know so i guess no, no she was she's been in some hardcore shit and it was not comedy uh, i forget what she was in i think it was actually hannibal that she was in yeah oh yeah and um so, I mean, I, I, I didn't laugh at the trailer either, you know, so if they're calling it a dark comedy, maybe they just didn't want to, like, spoil the, the two gags or something in the movie. But, I mean, it was a really odd trailer. It looks like a very strange movie. And yeah. 
I like I'm I'm super interested. I had not heard of this movie at all, and you know Netflix does that. They'll just drop a trailer like three days before it comes on or something, and you know hope that people flock to it. But it looks interesting. I'm certainly going to watch this one. So stay tuned for my thoughts on that. Next up, we've got a trailer finally for Penny Dreadful City of Angels, starring Natalie Dormer, and I'm I'm still a little butthurt quite honestly, about how they ended the original Penny Dreadful because it was such a good cast and such great writing. And it's just like it got cut right at the end. And they still say like they didn't get canceled, that they ended on their own accord. But that's bullshit because that that show ended so abruptly and weirdly, you know, that it's just there's no other way to fucking, you know, express it. But Whatever. I like the showrunner. If it's got the same writers and everything else, it looks like it kind of has the same feel. We'll see. Uh, you know, but I I can't really tell what it's about so much. It almost looks like Natalie Dormer is playing two characters, like like maybe a demon and an angel. Um I don't know. And then there's like some other weird shit going on with, you know, mortals trying to do magic and shit, kind of like from Penny Dreadful, but I, I can't really tell much. But beyond that, other than it's like an early, you know, 1900s telling of what's going on in Los Angeles with, you know, like, uh, the you know, race and class issues going on and, you know, and everything else. So who knows? Take a check it out and, and take a look for yourself. All these trailers are going to be in the show notes, by the way. So, yeah, I, um, I mean, I thought it, I thought she looked great, you know, and I, I like Natalie Dormer quite a bit. Um. And I mean, I got the same thing. I kind of got that she was playing a dual role, like a good versus evil sort of thing. And I know that from what I gather, a lot of the show might have to do with like um, Latin, Latin magic or like, like brujas or whatever, things like that. And so, I mean, I didn't watch the last season of Penny Dreadful, so I don't. I don't know how it ended. I knew that you weren't very happy with it. So, again, it's just one of those things. Like if you. If you're going to cancel Hannibal and then start Clarice Starling's TV show, if you're going to cancel Penny Dreadful and then bring another iteration of it, you know, you could have, there was probably still more story to tell in the other one. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe there's going to be some overlap of some kind. I know it's like 20 years difference, but you never know. I guess we'll find out. It's coming up pretty soon on Showtime. So. So please degrade us. I mean, impress us with your next trailer. (laughs) Well, it's been a while since we've had something that was just obviously a piece of shit <laughs> to talk about, you know? I think the last time we had that, I forgot the name of that movie because I never watched it about that peekaboo killer, whatever the fuck it was I called. I can't know. remember anymore. <laughs> uh, anyway, so just today before we were recording, I was scrolling through social media and I caught a trailer for a movie called Ouija Shark. <laughs> Do, 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 or whatever. <laughs> Obviously off so, of the whole Sharknado thing. And it, it knows that it's a piece of shit, you know, and it's just trying to capitalize on that in the, inside the horror ghetto. And this kids is why we can't have nice things like Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially this movie is about a girl who finds a Ouija board at the beach and she uses it and it summons the ghost of a great white shark who <laughs> starts, to, starts to kill people. <laughs> I mean, and as ridiculous as that sounds, quite frankly, I'm here for it. So maybe I'm part of the problem. I don't know. This movie has an audience and it's me. Well, I think they just exist for the trailers because I never see the actual movies. Uh, this is going to be some sort of, it's, it said a VOD limited release and on the like the press release that I read for it. And I was like, it's probably very limited. So <sighs> anyway, it really looks poorly made and poorly acted and there was a still image in the article of them holding up a joint to the ghost shark's mouth and i was just like yes (laughs) why don't you just kill me (laughs) well watch the movie in it okay so uh this is coming out in like april or may i think so everyone stay tuned for ouija shark let's make it this year's bona fide sleeper hit shall we <laughs> it's like killer couch from last year killer sofa or something that was a stupid movie <laughs> you think <laughs> yeah i didn't even log that on my fucking letterbox <laughs> recommendations 
Uh, Chris, do you want to start talking about some things that you've watched recently? Sure. So I watched uh, Joker, and that's enough to say about that one. And I saw Parasite. <laughs> no, uh, Joker was good. It was well acted. It was well produced. Um, I just think it's one of those movies that's like a mile wide and like, you know, one inch deep. And... <laughs> A little bit of a try hard i don't know i know there's a lot of fans out there and probably going to get burned for this on social media uh there's people hitting unsubscribe right now but um i can practically hear you I, you know i i enjoyed the movie i guess uh it just i don't know i just, i feel like there's a little bit of social responsibility issue here and the points it's making are a little on the nose as far as you know all the way through the movie, kill the rich, literally like written across the giant, you know, letters yeah. across the the newspapers, you know, and, you know, I just, I feel like we haven't heard the end of this. You know, I feel like as soon as this goes on demand or something, we're going to get people dressed in fucking Joker suits again, killing people in theaters. I don't fucking know. Like it was almost like they tried to empower the guy, not just for being, you know, mentally ill, which could have been a very different story. You know, it's, it's not, they didn't really play up the tragedy of that much, you know, in the tone or the tonal shift by the end, you know, it's, um, I feel like there's a lot of people that are going to take things the wrong way or maybe the right way about this movie. And I don't know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, arguments out there about this is a movie for incels and things like that. And I don't quite take it that far, you know, no. but they might. So I don't fucking know. It's it was a you know really well produced movie, really extremely well acted um, by Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, but I I'm just not on board. Like I, I don't think the movie was important as as it tries to be. You know, I don't think it says as much as it as it thinks it is. I also watched The Joker because I'm trying to do my Oscar catch up, like I always do every year before you know award season really gets started. This year I'm very late. Um, I didn't, I didn't really like it. I mean, I know that it's got a very rabid fan base or whatever. I just, I found it to be just not a, I mean, it was an entertaining movie and it was really well made, but I was like super uncomfortable like watching it, you know, and I can't quite put my finger on why. And I'm, I don't know. Walking Phoenix was good. He's normally good in movies, but I mean, other than that, I'm, I'm just not super impressed. 11 nominations. I mean, I just don't, I don't understand. It felt like a comic movie was trying to do, you know, a taxi driver and kind of falling somewhere in between in a weird, awkward space where it wasn't quite as, you know, entertaining as like a comic book movie could be. And certainly wasn't, you know, as poignant as even Taxi Driver, which I'm also not a huge fan of, honestly, you know, even though it's really well acted and everything else. But if we're going to talk about comic book movies as crime movies, though, I still think that The Dark Knight is much, much better. Oh my better. gosh, yes. Story-wise, writing-wise, acting-wise, across the board. I mean, let's face it, Heath Ledger was a much better Joker. A much scarier Joker, in my opinion, you know? I mean, it's just, it's a different kind of movie, I guess, you know? And I just, um, I don't know. I it's mean, always a joy seeing Francis Conroy, though. yes. And I mean, and she was, she was good in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like she always is too. So, I mean, this movie has its, its pros and cons. I'm probably not going to watch it ever again. Yeah, I can't see myself. But, um, I mean, there's not much there to mine. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I can almost assure you there's going to be a sequel. It's made a gobbledygillion dollars and got nominated for 11 Oscars. There will be a Joker too. So, well, I don't know. Joaquin may not come back. Well, actors like him don't do sequels. So they make that paycheck big enough no, i'd rather see him in signs too <laughs> <laughs> no, then we have to suffer through mel gibson again. Love, that's my favorite performance <laughs> by Joaquin phoenix i think where he's watching the videos like on the tv of like the aliens oh. coming <laughs> he's like holding his cheeks and he's like oh my god <laughs> now i want to go watch signs <laughs> that's our big joker takeaway let's all watch science again. no it's much scarier villain i think in gladiator honestly uh which actually won best yeah. picture so anyway whatever i digress i watched parasite which was a fucking amazing movie for many many reasons it's you know not as wide as the joker but it's many many miles deep and uh, i think there's a lot to mine there for rewatches and uh I, I could i caught myself thinking about it i'm still thinking about it and it's been i think at least a week since i saw it and uh i hope it went 
wins uh, or gets a lot of acknowledgement at least, and it already has with all its nominations. I think it just won Best Ensemble over like 1917 at the SAG Awards, and mm-hmm. you know it's it's uh, you know it's raking it in and it deserves it. So I'm very happy about that. I, I also watched Parasite during my Oscar catch up, and I completely agree with you. I think it's a, a great great movie. I'm sort of torn between Parasite and Once Upon a Time as to what I want to win Best Picture the most. I mean, I think those were the two of two of my favorite movies this well, year. Two of the best movies. Honestly, like those two are very disparate films versus like Joker and Parasite. If you're going to watch one horror adjacent movie this year that has to do with class struggle, watch Parasite by far. Yeah. Easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. Parasite is a much better movie. And I mean, I'm, I also am still thinking about it. That's one that I will watch again. And we're not being snobs. So, like literally it's just a better film. <laughs> I mean, I literally just said that I'm going to watch Ouija shark. So I'm clearly <laughs> not <God>. a snob. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a better movie and it should, it should win. Yeah. You know, I, however, I think there's no stopping 1917 at this point. So. Well, I still need to see that. And I've paid for my yeah. AMC, whatever, where I get like three movies a week and I have not yet to go to like more than one this in the last 30 days. Uh, cause I've been watching, that was the I've been watching, yeah, <laughs> I've been watching like everything on, you know, my TV at home because I'm a hermit in uh, Salem, Salem adjacent, otherwise known as Boston. So, um, the, the next thing that I watched was the Witcher. I finally sat down and watched the witcher and there's a lot of horror elements in the witcher you know it's just a it's a good show however i was extremely frustrated with it for the first like four or five episodes which is to be fair like half a fucking season because they decided to do it out of order uh i think the director the showrunner uh cited dunkirk christopher nolan's dunkirk as like something that's shot out of order you know in a way to kind of tell a story and um some people other people brought up like pulp fiction and you know what those things can do it because they you know you know pulp fiction was done in such a way that it was like kind of artistic and you kind of got in it and you were kind of in on the joke a little bit versus um nor not normandy sorry uh dunkirk was i found it annoying honestly i'm probably one of the few on the planet but i found dunkirk confusing because i wasn't sure because i there were so many fucking actors in that ensemble i could not tell what was before or after i started getting confused you know and yet they pulled from this and so everyone in, that had read the books or play even played the game somewhat was watching the witcher and not as confused but any newcomers like myself and some other people i know uh were extremely frustrated and the other people that were watching it gave up on watching it and uh you know, I stuck it out and then from season or from episode five uh, on to, I guess, the final one is eight or nine. It got better and better with a spectacular finale, which I am really looking forward. It really does feel like the next Game of Thrones in a way uh, as far as, you know, filling that fantasy, dark fantasy kind of space. Um it was all over the place and it was a huge mistake. But now that the kind of, now that I understand this two different timeline timelines kind of catching up with each other, uh, one's like present day. And then the other is like catching up on the Witcher and another character as they like kind of mature into who they are into the current timeline. And it took me like five episodes to realize that slowly and kind of keep track of that. And as soon as they kind of converge, you know that the series is not going to do that again, unless it's like flashbacks or something which is much easier to follow. But I, I do highly recommend it if you can stick it out. So this is really high on my list of things to watch, right? And I was sort of hoping that you would watch it before me for this very reason. So I could ask, like, do you think, like, should I, is this something that I would yes. enjoy? Do you think I should watch it? Yeah, yeah uh, definitely. Especially for some of the other characters that aren't The Witcher. I think you would really get a kick out of it. Um, if you can just, uh, if you and your husband, this would be a great you and your husband show, you know, can, you know, get past the first five episodes, you know, really first four episodes or so. And then it, it, you know, it grows its beard and kind of gets into itself. And really the whole thing just feels like after I've stepped back and looked at it as really just like a setup for the show, like a giant fucking prequel for what the show is going to be, which is really interesting way to look at it. And I think it's more or less true because it just, it sets the stage for season two and everything going forward. Okay. Well, I'm sold. So yeah. The next thing I watched was Dracula as was mentioned earlier. And I wasn't the biggest fan. I mean, like I, I liked parts of it a great deal. My favorite scene is, uh, is probably in the first episode. This is only three episodes. 
and uh, probably Dracula at the monastery was my favorite little bit of it. And everything else just kind of, I wasn't a huge fan of the, you know, the portrayal of Dracula, especially old age Dracula. If they were trying to get closer to the books, they failed. They were, it was like a two bit version of Gary Oldman what they ended up with. <laughs> and there was just filled with weird anachronisms that they didn't have to do. And then there's like a twist with the third part. The whole second part is Dracula on the ship, which was really interesting to kind of zoom in on that from the books and kind of see, you know, this whole second part of this, you know, 30% of this thing is based on him. In the, and then the third one is a surprise. So I can't really mention what happens, but it's a twist. And uh, a lot of people didn't like it. Some people really loved it. Overall, I'm not a huge fan. I'm not going to come back to it. I did like, I did love the actress that played the the main nun character and Dracula had his moments and there were some interesting set pieces sprinkled throughout and there's some real horror uh, in the last little bit uh, before the end, you know, but other than that, I don't know that I can really wholly recommend it. If you, you know, if you are interested in Dracula and want to see a, a new telling, um, kind of an original way to look at it, and then you know, blow it apart and play with its pieces, <laughs> whether you like that or not, <laughs> check it out. I guess if you're, you know, if next time you have the flu and you're stuck indoors and you have no- nothing but Netflix to help you, watch Dracula. <laughs> Why not? I mean, I watched the first 15 minutes of the first episode. So, but yeah, I mean, I stopped watching it right around the time that we saw old Dracula. And I was just like, ooh, this really takes me out of the story. <laughs> yeah, and he, he grows young fairly quickly. So, yeah, it took me out too. And I was just like, what the fuck are you guys trying to do? It's like, if you're going to do the Gary Oldman thing, like, go further or something. But don't, like, stop halfway because, my God, this is a piece of shit. But it gets over it. And then it becomes a piece of shit in other ways. Um, but not without some, like I said, really great moments. So it redeems itself and then like trips over itself multiple times. So it's just, just kind of an emotional roller coaster, but not in a great way. <laughs> no. Oh, this is a good show. No, this show sucks. Versus an emotional <laughs> roller coaster that takes you in where you're like wanting people, like characters to die or live or whatever. No, you're actually wanting the, the show to die or live. <laughs> Itself. Anyway, the last thing that I watched was Fleabag. So this is not horror at all, but I enjoy the shit out of it. The first season came out. It's only six episodes in 2016. The next one didn't come out until this last year, 2019. And they're not planning on doing any more anytime soon. Uh, probably not for the next 10 years based on what, uh, what she's saying. So uh, if you guys have Amazon Prime and want to see Fleabag, totally check it out. It's got the you know fourth wall breaking, dark comedy, tragic comedy, really great acting. Uh, fucking Olivia Coleman's in it, man. Like, it's great. So, I mean, that's enough for me to watch it. So, no, she's a <clears> fucking <throat> bitch too, and I've never really seen her as like a bad guy before, and she's great. It's been recommended to me by other people, so I, I definitely need to watch it. I heard that you can watch it fairly quickly too; like it moves along. Fast, well, they're basically right? just so. flinging awards at her at this point for doing Fleabag. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, at some point, you just gotta see what the consensus is and check it out and see if it's good or not. And you know, it was just a really great surprise. So, I I enjoyed the shit out of it. So, yeah. Awesome. I do want to see that. All right. So I watched a few more movies for my Oscar catch up, at least stuff that I've watched up to this point. I still have a long way to go before Oscar Sunday. Um, but I watched the two popes on Netflix and it was kind of boring. <laughs> and um, like, I mean, it was, it was, it was a good movie, you know, quote unquote, the acting was good, but with you have Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins, you should expect it to be good acting. Yeah. You know? And I can see how they would get nominated. Um, but hey, it was just a run-of-the-mill, basic good movie. Okay. Um, <laughs> run-of-the-mill. <laughs> I I watched Judy, uh, the, the Judy Garland biopic starring Renee Zellweger, since she's been winning every award in creation this year. I thought I should at least get that one under my belt. And again, it was just a regular good movie with a really good performance in it. And um, I don't know. I mean, like... <laughs> 
she she's winning everything and i is she I kind of see why yeah she's like won every precursor award so i she's like the 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 acting juggernaut of this year i don't think that she's gonna lose the oscar but i i i don't know i mean like t- there were some times that i was just like well it's just like watching renee zellweger play judy garland i want a more immersive role or whatever and it's like I her big know. comeback I mean, role too yeah after and, she got botched i mean mm-hmm. yeah. maybe she was trying to look like judy garland a little bit and then I don't know. Either way, uh, I saw Bombshell, speaking of other portrayals of real life people, and it was better. It was better than Judy. Um, and the acting in this was also really good. But to me, it was just another good movie with good acting in it. However, I've thought about Bombshell a lot more than some of these other movies after the fact. And I think that I rated it too lowly on Letterboxd. I gave it three stars. I think I need to raise that up a little bit. I think I need to watch it one more time. Because Charlize Theron and Margot Robbie and even Nicole Kidman were really good in that. In fact, there was the cast in this movie is stacked. I mean, it's just like every every character actor, side actor, supporting actor you've ever seen in a movie is like shoved into bombshell. <laughs> okay. Like there's so many people. Allison Janney's in it. John Lithgow is really good yeah, in it. I know you know, um, I I think I think I need to watch it again. Cause I think I would enjoy it a lot more on a second viewing. I was totally like, I really spent the movie. It was like playing where's Waldo. I was like, Oh, I know that actor. I know that actress. I needed to sit down and watch the movie and enjoy it for what it is. Instead of like trying to figure out someone's fucking name. Who knew Jay Roach had a denim? Oh, did he make that movie? Yeah. What? <laughs> I didn't know. That. <laughs> Again, I also think that maybe I like Megan Kelly. Uh, I know it really leaves a bad taste in my mouth to say that, but I mean, Kind of seeing what these women had to go through at Fox News gives me a better appreciation for for them. You know, they're not just like conservative mouthpieces or whatever, yeah. you know. So From the director of Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, and Meet the Fockers, <laughs> comes Bombshell. <laughs> oh my god. I didn't realize. <laughs> Maybe I should have to downgrade my stars. No. <laughs> no. I mean, good for him. I mean, what? Todd Phillips did the fucking hangover and shit, you know? And now he's doing the Joker. So maybe this is the year that comedic directors go, you know, full on drama. Like Chernobyl, right? Was done by Craig uh, Craig Mazin, who is known for, let's see, uh, Scary Movie 3, Scary Movie 4, The Hangover <sighs> Part 2. Uh, superhero movie. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know that. Really, I mean, Chernobyl's really good. Uh, so yeah, all right. so yeah, I haven't seen Chernobyl, but I I, I really want to see it. But uh, yeah, that's Craig Mazin. So who knew? Okay. Well, I withdraw my previous statements because Bombshell is a good movie. I mean, I recommend people go watch that one. Um, but lastly, I wanted to talk about Marriage Story. Um, it's streaming on Netflix. And I think um, I had to put that right up there with with Parasite and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I thought that it was a really, really good movie. Um, and as opposed to the ones that I just mentioned, it's a really good movie with really good performances in it. Like literally everybody who acted in that movie, like acted their ass off. Like it's so, so good. I've heard some people call the performances a little hammy and whatnot, but I'm a fan of melodrama and there's lots of overacting in it. And I'm I'm good with that. But like Scarlett Johansson, Adam Driver, Laura Dern, excellent, okay. excellent in this movie. And even the side characters, people like like Ray Liotta's in it. He does a really good job. Alan Alda is in it. And Julie Haggerty from Airplane gives a surprisingly <laughs> good performance. So I'm just like, I mean, like, this is it's a really good movie. Um and I had read a lot of people saying that they cried all the way through it. And I'm a big crier when it comes to film. And I was almost toward the end of it and I had not cried yet. And I was like, well, how in the world am I going to escape watching this movie and not cry? And something happens in the last like couple minutes of the movie that made me go full on Claire Danes. I would cry. <laughs> and I just cannot stress how good this movie is enough. Please go, <clears throat> go watch Mirror Story. I know this is a horror podcast, you know, but Chris and I like, Movies in general, and this is just one that I think people need to see. Along with uh, Ouija Shark. Along with Ouija Shark. If you're going to make a double feature, it should be Marriage Story followed by Ouija Shark. (laughs) Cry for Scarlet, and then cry for humanity. (laughs) 
Well, I think that just about wraps up this month's Shooting the Flames. Um, Again, we would like to thank all of our listeners for the comments and questions and reviews. Keep those coming. You can um, find us on social media at The Film Flamers on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us a five-star review and a little snippet of why you like our podcast. And we'll read it right here on the next month's episode. And you can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972-666-7733. Leave us a voicemail with your thoughts and feelings and we'll respond in kind on the air. And guys, don't forget about all the bonus content that we have over on Patreon. Uh, We uh, have a flashback episode every month where we pick a movie that we haven't seen in a long time or maybe something that we've missed along the way and sort of like dive back into it. Last month, we covered the movie Waxwork. And this month, we have a pretty special episode for our flashback segment. So everyone head over to patreon.com slash thefilmflamers. You can get access to all of our bonus episodes and early access to our main feed episodes for as little as $2. Other than that, guys, we have some more stuff coming out for you in February. We're going to be deep diving into Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. Well, wait. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a mouthful, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it's more Francis Ford Coppola's than Bram Stoker's, but we'll we'll still keep it on there. I know that we're really excited to talk about this movie, so look forward to that coming out later this week. We're also waffling between doing uh, Gretel and Hansel or The Lodge as hot takes. We'll see whichever ones we get out to see and like better. We'll uh, get out to you. That's right. Well, everyone, until our next episode, sweet, sweet dreams. dreams. Ouija shark do 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 Ouija shark do 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 That's all I'm gonna sing whenever oh I watch God, that. Oh my God, no! I know. I don't know what'd be worse. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> I have never even heard that song for so long, and people were talking about it. And I was at my brother's house, and I heard it no less than like six times the other weekend. I was like, "Is this that fucking song everyone's talking about?" <laughs> but it's really catchy and easy to learn the words to. So, <clears throat> kill me. <laughs>